We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and we're here to break down the Final Four National Championship game. And to do that, I have Aaron Barzilai from our Her Hoop Stats team with me. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I'm doing well, still fired up. Uh, we're recording this, I guess, about 24 hours after uh, Stanford won, maybe a hair later. And uh, yeah, still excited, still buzzing. Yeah, it was a great game, obviously. A Final Four weekend, even covering it from the couch versus being down in, in San Antonio, it's still always such a fun weekend. So definitely still buzzing from the wrap-up of the season. I don't know that it's quite hit me that it's like all over yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to next year already, too. Absolutely, yeah. It's good to get a little bit of time to recharge, and then, like, unbelievably, the draft is uh, a week from Thursday, so... No rest for the weary uh, women's basketball uh, journalists. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess at least after the draft, I think we've got probably like close to a month till the actual season starts. So I, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing. Yeah, it's on. I think Whitney met when Whitney Medworth, right? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a tongue twister there. Not sure why. Uh, she tweeted out that uh, she heard that like around May 15th, which. You know, I think I had heard as well. So I think we're looking kind of order there. I believe I checked and May 15th is a, yeah, May 15th is a Saturday. So, um, you know, it's definitely got a possibility. Yeah. So that gives us like a month off. So something to a little bit of a break, at least coming. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a, oh, go ahead. I'm always torn just because uh, the, uh, you know, we got so much we want to do to add to the site between now and uh, the start of the WAB season. So sometimes I'd like a little more time, but. Uh, especially in Olympic year, right? It's not a surprise that it's 
coming and i hope it'll just help build the momentum for the WNBA season agreed agreed i think you know coming off a great college season and a lot of these players heading to the draft always helps build some momentum to see them playing at the next level so definitely really excited for that but for today don't want to look ahead too much want to look backwards to yesterday and this weekend i think more and just talk about you know the national championship game and then also those final four games a little bit as well oh i I prepared to talk about our top 25 for 2021-22. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people might get annoyed if we do that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think there's been a backlash to that already. <laughs> I agree that we should celebrate Stanford for at least a day or two. But, then, but I, I think it's fair game also to start thinking about next NCAA season as well as WNBA as well. It is crazy how our society just kind of like once the uh, championship happens, I, you know, it's like, oh, 29 years for Tara Vanderbeer wonderful right and 24 hours later it's like okay let's talk about what's happening uh next year yeah yeah i, I know there was a fair amount of backlash about that but i do think it is kind of natural right to just jump ahead into looking ahead and i'm sure that the, the men's situation will be very similar tonight um but 100 i think they're go those are gonna drop yeah I actually think I already saw up. one for the men. So the season hasn't even ended. <laughs> I already saw top yeah. 25. <laughs> and, I, and I do think it's fair, right? Like there's 350 other teams. So right. like, of course, their fans are excited for next year. They should be. I'm sure UConn fans are. But um, let's, uh, yeah, let's focus on, you said you want to start with the championship game? Yeah, let's start with the championship game. I feel like just because that just happened, it makes the most sense. So obviously Stanford wins it all, I think is the biggest storyline, of course. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> I went to Stanford for grad school, so uh, I actually arrived on Stanford. How old am I, right, that I arrived on Stanford's campus for grad school right uh, shortly after Coach won that uh, championship a year later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll, I'll just make you feel older by saying that it's the first Stanford national championship in my lifetime. So, of your lifetime? <laughs> well, I'm hoping it won't be the last. <laughs> yes, I mean, with everything that Stanford has coming back and coming in, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in similar positions in, in the coming years. But. Yeah, I mean, just great win. Obviously, first wins or first national championship since 1992. So Tara Vanderveer moves into a tie with with Kim Mulkey for the third most championships in women's college basketball. Yes, and she's clearly better wearing a mask than uh, Kim Mulkey. Yes. <laughs> I didn't see her adjusting hers as much. Yeah, she's she seemed to have a, a better handle on how that's supposed to be done. Um, yeah, absolutely. You want to go reverse chronological order and start with the last play? Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, the end of the game was nail biter. We've got a one point game. Stanford. Uh, did they turn it over? I think they just there was a shot clock violation. I'm forgetting exactly what happened there. Uh, well, that would be a turnover. I'm yes. gonna stall. It's true, right? It's such a blur that it's like, eh, what exactly happened on that last play? But um, yeah, no, it was definitely a turnover. Uh, um, where are we here? Uh, I have totally yeah, it was just a turnover, and uh, yeah, you know, there were definitely nerves as you'd expect late, right? Uh, McDonald's hit those two free throws to cut it to one. And then, um, you know, Stanford had the ball, you know, they just didn't, they didn't get a, they weren't going to get a good look. Right. I think right. I forget who it was to pass the shot up. Um, maybe, maybe Keanu Williams or something, but, uh, you know, what I do remember is that they just weren't really able to get a good look. And so like all of a sudden, right, there's six seconds left, uh, and, uh, everyone knows what's going to happen. Tension totally rising. Uh, I don't know if you stood up at uh, your place. I think <laughs> I stood up uh, off my couch for mine to see what, you know, how it was going to play out. 
Yeah, I, I stayed on the couch, but agreed. <laughs> Definitely, like, a, how is this going to happen? And, of course, you know, Arizona inbounds the ball, and it is in Ari McDonald's hand. No surprise there whatsoever. Uh, but, I mean, credit to Stanford because they obviously knew it was going into her hands, and they just made it basically impossible for her to get any kind of good look at the basket. She kind of ends up chucking up an off-balance three as, like, the buzzer's going off, and there's just – it doesn't hit and that's that's yeah three is the key word right because stanford basically triple teamed her on that play and even there was a fourth player that looked like they were thinking about going over there so i mean it was a certainly was a heave she didn't get a good look um but at the same time you know it wasn't like given how things played out that she was going to be able to get a good look it just wasn't i think a reasonable uh expectation at that point i was um a coach barnes uh, press conference afterward and she basically said like uh, I'm paraphrasing but it was like you know we knew we had to get the ball to Ari and so you know she you know made it sound like it was you know essentially ride or die uh, which I thought was interesting right that uh, especially with six seconds left that you know there might not be an opportunity for her to catch it you know she's got great assist numbers too right and so was there a chance for uh, speaking of Arizona the proverbial uh, Steve Kerr moment although I guess that was with the Bulls to uh, kind of hit the shot um, you know, if it came to that, but you know, there wasn't really even an angle. I wasn't like, I didn't really think there was anyone that they could, that she could have thrown it to that would have had a better look at that point, unfortunately, because it was like, they just did such a good job hounding her that, uh, like, I don't know how she could have thrown a pass. Yeah. The only thing I was surprised off is that I feel like you knew she wasn't going to get a good luck so that she didn't just kind of heave something up earlier just because she had so many defenders on her that there might've been a chance that someone could have been under the basket to grab the, the put back and end up you know being able to knock something down on a second chance oh that would have been interesting just like throw it up with five seconds left i don't mean she didn't really have a chance i didn't think but uh it's not like she waited too long and everybody got to her i think stanford was just all over it yeah but uh yeah it was just an example of good defense i guess on both of those last two possessions and you know really i mean a lot there were a lot of missed shots right but it was a defensive game right stanford only won 54 53 it was definitely well under our prediction i think forget but i think it was like 69 58 we thought or something like that i think it was 69 57 but um you know it's definitely a much lower scoring game than i think we anticipated yeah which all i think comes back to the defense i think i mean that's been arizona's toe and all season wrong right is they've been a, a really solid defensive team and not not the best offensive team but their their defense tends to keep them in it and i think exactly what we saw against Stanford there was that they were able to you know they had a lot of trouble hitting shots they only ended up shooting 28 percent on the night, but he turned Stanford over 20 times or over 20 times. And, you know, their defense was able really to keep them in it until that, that last final shot. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. We've got, uh, Arizona is, uh, our, our uh, is fifth in our adjusted, um, her hoop stats, defensive rating, uh, 13th overall in kind of unadjusted defensive rating. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, a very strong, uh, team defensively interesting you know we give them a lot of credit for all their steals uh they're only 10th in steal rate given their pace so not like off 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 the charts or anything but you know i think the clearly right the team started playing well uh when they uh when they had to i guess so they were on a five game win streak right Mm -hmm. because they lost in the pactual tournament and um yeah you know i'm looking at their schedules kind of bumpy because i think they had about four games that were canceled so 
Um, you know, they like before that they won three, they beat Oregon, you know, they beat Oregon in that 57 41 game. I think that one was on national, that was on ESPN, right? I think so. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they beat Oregon state and Utah. And then that, that was January 22nd when they beat Utah. And then they were off the 20, you know, from then until February 8th when they beat Oregon again. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of, you know, a strange season for them. Lots to overcome. I guess not as a lot as Stanford. We, you know, for everybody complaining about the UConn uh, hype, right? I think we saw that story if we were following college basketball closely about how they were gone for 10 weeks, uh, quite a lot on <laughs> yes. ESPN the past uh, three weeks. I appreciated that. And it's good uh, to get that story to audiences that weren't tuning in for the earlier rounds. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they picked a really good time to start playing really probably their, potentially their best basketball of the season. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes back to the fact that, I mean, Erin McDonald played her best basketball this season. And I think after the the Final Four win, or maybe it was after their, their win to get to the Final Four, David Barnes kind of talked about how she just, in the tournament, was able. they were able to reset after that Pac-12 tournament loss, and that she just really let the game come to her in the tournament. And I think that was definitely on display. I mean, she struggled shooting the ball yeah. last night, but I think for the first, you know, five games of the tournament, she was just on fire. Yeah, one thing, I don't know if you saw the stat that we tweeted out, right, but in her three years at Arizona, I think that makes it 58 with last night's game, 58 games when she's gotten 20 points, which is, uh, you know, more than anyone else over the past three years. Chelsea Dungey, I believe, has 49, so pretty big gap there. But, uh, yeah, you know, she, you know, went for 30 those two games in a row in the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, and then, you know, 26 and 22, so uh super super impressive but unfortunately right she went five for 21 uh in the final um you know stanford's really been effective against her uh stanford's defense has been effective against her all season i i looked i remember looking it up because we tweeted about it yesterday i believe that in one of the games she missed 15 shots during the regular season and the other one she missed 16 so she missed 16 again uh tonight so it's hard to, you know, you go one for 12 from three, you know, it's hard to, hard to win. As Coach Barnes said, it's amazing that they were, you know, it was a one point game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, amazing that they were able to use their defense and staying close there um, because she didn't, couldn't hit really from the floor. And I mean, obviously that's credit to Stanford's defense, right? They were really able, able to kind of take away her, her shot in the lane and kind of force her into a lot of not the types of looks that she was looking for. And I think, yeah, was- you know, that one, that one early we were watching, I was watching my wife and she ran into, I guess, Cameron Brink's torso or whatever, <laughs> right? And just bounced off it. It was like, oh, that looks like that hurt. And so. Uh, definitely pretty physical there. Yeah, and then I think, I mean, on the Stanford team, a lot of credit to Anna Wilson, right, who guarded her for quite a bit of the game, and it was co-defensive player of the year in the Pac-12 with Aaron McDonald, so battle of Pac-12's two best defenders in the championship. Yeah, I will say it's a little, you know, I feel bad um, commenting on it, because she she played really well um, the whole tournament, right? She was, Mm -hmm. I think, eight of nine from three heading into last night, but I did comment during the game when I was tweeting that... uh, I was, it's kind of interesting. She, I feel like she goes under on more screens than I would expect. There were a couple of times where she got kind of hung up in the screen. Anna Wilson did. And, and I think that in particular, that one <laughs> that McDonald hit, um, and I was kind of surprised she didn't kind of go over the top and force her to drive to, to, I mean, when you let her take 12, that's a lot of, that's a big risk if she hits closer to her uh, season average. And I, I remember noticing it 
earlier in the tournament as well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Stanford had a great game plan and uh, yeah, I mean, it totally felt, I thought watching it, like the game was there for the taking of Arizona could just hit a few shots. Like they (laughs) had been all tournament that there was definitely possible, but um, you know, credit to Stanford, right? Lexi Hall. I was like super impressed with her. And you know, the one question I did not get a chance to ask in the press conference, which I wanted to was about her four point play. I feel like that was like totally, um overlooked Stanford only had two free throws they went two for two uh last night or you know in the championship and both of those were and ones Haley Jones had that one late and then there was the the four-point play that Lexi Hull had and so I was like trying to think of other memorable four-point plays <laughs> in women's basketball history and uh I'm, pro- I'm not educated enough so I definitely would encourage folks if they're listening to uh you know tweet at us uh, some examples but I'm mean, can you think of any off the top of your head Oh, I feel like I don't remember what it was, if it was a conference tournament or an NCAA tournament. There was a UConn one with Katie Lusamuelson at some point um, mm. in like a close game, but I'm, I'm blanking on the, the actual context around it. Um. Yeah, I caught, we didn't prep for this, as people can tell. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, think about it, right? Like so they went two for two from the free throw line. She had a four point play and they won by one point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how critical is that? So true, yeah. And I mean, I thought Lexi Hall had just a fantastic tournament. And Darnell, she makes the Final Four our most outstanding team, but I feel like she's a, a player on Stanford that gets kind of not as much hype as some of the other players, but I thought she was just fantastic for them all the way through the tournament. Yeah, until Jones played, you know, I think really kind of stepped up, I guess it was the entire fourth quarter. But, you know, until then, um, you know, I thought there was a reasonable argument that she, that, that Hall might be the... Uh, the MOP of the final four. Yeah. And I mean, I thought Haley Jones had a fantastic game against South Carolina. So that's definitely part of it as well, but agreed that hold it as well. And I think just all the way through the tournament, she, she really stepped it up for Stanford. Or I should say, yeah, I I, can't just say Hall. There's two of them. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I absolutely, I think Jones totally deserved to be MOP. I was just sort of, you know, about, Midway through the third, I was like, hmm, Stanford wins. I might actually think that uh, if I had a vote, which I I don't, uh, <laughs> that I would vote for uh, Hull. Yeah, yeah. She did make that all-tournament team along with, of course, Ari McDonald, no surprises there, and then Zia Cook and Paige Beckers from South Carolina and UConn for the, the final four games in on Friday. Yeah, all well-deserved, all well-deserved. I mean, uh, it was a great tournament. And Friday was just... Uh, amazing i don't know well for for non-yukon fans (laughs) do you want to talk a little bit so um stanford right they've got um you know another uh uh, you know wonderful to see them win the championship people were sort of asking coach vanderveer about her plan for next year right because i think people sort of like the idea of the storybook narrative of uh retiring on top here as a national champion uh but it wasn't clear to me from listening i mean i'm sure she doesn't know right and she was just trying i think to savor the moment as as i think she should and as i would try to do as best i can but one thing she said that was really interesting was how much i think it probably the the whole year was a dream and so you know probably up until the start of the tournament, like it might've been more viable, but then she talked about how energizing it was to have fans in the building again. And so I wonder if that kind of whetted her appetite. So like, Oh, like if life's going to be closer to normal next year, this could be a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to speculate too much about what she's going to do, but I feel like I, I don't expect her to be retiring until, you know, they like come out when she says that she is because other than you know, the speculation around it, I feel like I haven't heard much to that, to that. 
Yeah, we don't know, right? I don't yeah. think anyone expected Muffin McGraw to retire. Exactly. That came out of left field for sure. So, uh, but it seems to be working out for her. So, um, so yeah, no. So I was just really happy for everyone uh, associated with the uh, Stanford program. I will say they were very early adopters of her hoop stats, so that made me happy. But so Arizona coach Barnes has been as well. So um, I tried to stay uh, neutral for the game. <laughs> Yeah. So should we talk about Friday a little bit? I feel like even though obviously, you know, the main event was the national championship, it, it would be a disservice not to talk about Friday's games because they were both it great. Would. Well. But I would also say that the national championship game, I was worried that, you know, after the amazing Friday that we had, that it was going to be a little bit of a letdown on Sunday. And it wasn't right. Arizona, you know, came out, you know, again with nothing to lose, not done yet, I think was the hashtag they were using. And, um, you know, they believed and, you know, it's pretty remarkable given um, the challenges they've had against Stanford really over coach Barnes whole tenure. But, um, you know, I just, you know, all credit to them for what they did and for what they showed about uh, what they're about and what women's basketball is about, I would say. So, yeah. So, yeah, so going in reverse chronological order, I think that that uh, UConn, Arizona, that was the leak game, right? So can you talk a little bit about what it was like to experience that as a UConn fan? Yeah, for sure. I think it was definitely interesting. I think it was probably the opposite of every UConn fan's expectations, right? <laughs> like UConn usually just comes out with this like fire in them. And that's kind of what I expected from from that game on Friday, and they, they really didn't. I thought the first half, they just, I mean, obviously major credit to Arizona's defense, right? It totally disrupted them. They could not figure out how to get the ball in the basket. Hmm. But even as a UConn fan, and I would say this is probably true of most UConn fans, like even until halftime, I was kind of like, at halftime, I was like, I'm not that worried. Like, I'm sure they're going to come out of the locker room with a, they're a different mentality and make some adjustments, and then that just – Never happened. And again, credit to Arizona's defense because it just absolutely smothered them. And they really had trouble for the entire game getting anything going. And I mean, you can cut it to five a couple times and think in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, but just were never able to really close that gap. Barry McDonald just had an answer every single time. Yeah, in the front court, right? I mean, and Nelson Adota. Yeah. Had one point, she went 0 for 7 from the field, just 1 for 4 from the line. Aaliyah Edwards, 3 for 6. She had 8 points because she had a couple of free throws as well. But I guess that was a little bit surprising. Yeah, to me, actually, I think that was one of the most surprising things of the game because I really thought that was where UConn was going to excel. I was like, Arizona's, you know, got a little bit of size in the front court, but, you know, Reese and Baptiste, they're like 6 feet, 6 feet 2. And Nelson Adota is 6'5", Aaliyah Edwards is 6'3", and just, you know, a very physical player. So I, I yeah. didn't really think that Arizona was going to be able to guard the two of them in the front court. Um, and, like, a lot of credit to Arizona's defense, but I don't really know that that was entirely what was going on in the front court there. I they just missed a lot of layups and not necessarily – I mean, there's some credit to Arizona for sure, but that wasn't even mm. not entirely on Arizona. I think that was just <laughs> bad missed looks from UConn. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot. I forget the exact number. I remember tweeting it though on a layup. Yeah, but, something like uh, it was just four, inc- for was four for eight, four for nineteen or something. Yeah, four for nineteen. 
Yeah, and remind me, because uh, you probably paid more attention to this, like, I've been a huge Aubrey Griffin fan. Why did she play six minutes, six minutes and 23 seconds is what we got in the box score. Yeah, I was also surprised by that. I think, I mean, part of it is was Arizona's defense, and I think she can be a little bit more turnover prone. So I wonder if they didn't hmm. keep her up, put her in for that. But yeah, I was kind of surprised not to see a little bit more of the bench, just because clearly what was on the floor was not working for UConn. So maybe try to see what you can get from your bench hmm. to see if anything's an answer. But I mean... Gino has 11 national championships, so I'm not going to argue with his coaching exactly. strategy. <laughs> okay, no, but I'm just good to know that uh, I noticed that and that it wasn't uh, wasn't an, an insane thought on my part, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agreed. I thought that we would have seen her, or I know Anna Makarat hasn't played a lot lately, but I just thought maybe you see if she can hit some threes or something to get them going. Yeah, I'm just a big uh, Griffin fan. And I guess looking ahead, right, it's going to be interesting, right? I think that people have had questions about Nelson Adota and, uh, you know, hoping for some growth. And it looked like there was some, but then certainly that wasn't uh, a ton of evidence on uh, on Friday night. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of growth from her throughout the, the, the beginning matchups within the tournament. Even in the Baylor game, she didn't really have a ton of points, but I thought she played very well on the glass and helped distribute and had a decent mm. game. But um she passes so well, too. Yeah. I love that high post backdoor pass that she throws. Yeah, I think it was, I want to say it was Paige Becker. So they call her their their point forward because as much as she's, you know, their <laughs> forward, she's also can be a bit of a point guard on the floor for them with the, the way she passes and distributes the ball. <laughs> I will say, perhaps dating myself again. Uh, so um, uh, here's a question for you as a UConn fan, total aside. Uh, so I know what people call her, uh, you know, like ONO or ONO. So. We've been binge watching in our house uh, Big Hero Six lately. The the series. Did you ever watch that uh, movie? Or is I that, have not seen it. Not no. right <laughs> it's the, the classic Disney. But anyhow, so there's the the robot character Baymax. Uh, he always says like, "Oh no!" And so I was wondering if uh, that had caught on as a nickname for her. <laughs> I don't think so. I feel like it's more people like the O N O, like not saying it. Oh no, it's just. But they don't say it. Oh no, right? Yeah. Like, hey, let's hope that's not what they're saying next year. <laughs> So, I mean, it will be interesting to see what the pecking order is for the bigs uh, looking ahead yeah. uh, for, with, for next year, right? Will Edwards be the the number one option uh, face of the front court? Oh, yeah. There's definitely, I feel like, a lot of questions and pecking order and stuff for UConn next year with what they have coming in versus, and they're also, as yeah. of right now, returning everything, including Avita Westbrook. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that was, did that come out today? Uh, I think she kind of announced it last game? night in that she posted, right. like, unfinished business on her Instagram, and then UConn did confirm right. it today. Great, great, great. Yeah, I, know. I mean, it's good for the game. Um, I think it's good for UConn to be good. <laughs> And for, you know, it creates the interest. We saw that with the the UConn-Baylor game and the Elite Eight. And it's also good for people to be able to beat them. Oh, it's kind of crazy, right, to lose four times in a semifinal. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, I don't know, to me, I'm like, it's as crazy as it is, I feel like the fact that they've made 13 straight is crazier. Well, there's tons of crazy stats, but there's something weird, right? I just kind of feel like, especially in the past when they were – in the um, American, right? It just kind of felt like the season didn't really start until the tournament. And then even really like the first few rounds. And so like in a lot of ways, like it feels like UConn season is, you know, I guess the season two games, but normally, you know, it's like, it is the final four in some way. And so there's not a lot, of, you know, like they would get more experience, right? If they had won the final four game and lost in, in the championship right. as opposed to losing in the semis every time. Yeah, I suppose so. So I don't know. <laughs> Idle speculation, but 
that was a random thought I had. But it is just, you know, it jumps out at you when they say that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it, it jumps out at a lot of people. It's interesting, but I feel like, to me, I'm like the fact that they've just consistently get there still is, is really impressive. And I think Gino has some comments after the, the loss on, you know, on Friday about this team being young and, young and inexperienced, which is true, right? You've got only, you know, Kristen Williams oh, yeah. and, and Olivia Nelson and Donner are the only players that have played in the Final Four. And they played in it as a as a fresh as freshmen, where obviously their role was much different than it is now, where they're supposed to be leading the team. So, um. and it would be interesting, right? If this exact same roster was on, you know, Baylor, or South Carolina, or Stanford, what the expectations would be and how we would view their season. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a tendency with UConn, right? To like fans tend to look at like if you don't win a national championship, it's a failure, which is not, I don't think, a fair way to look at the season, right? So. No, right. Same for, I mean, we could talk about Aaliyah Boston mm-hmm. and, and South Carolina now. And, and Aaron McDonald, she was, you know, so emotional. But like, um, and, and Coach Barnes said in the press conference that it stings, right, mm-hmm. in the moment. But I hope they can all, you know, they'll be able to. I don't know. I was curious to hear, like, how long, it, you know, it takes to bounce back and kind of be able to reflect, uh, I would think, longer, you know, longer for the players, hopefully. Uh, for Coach Barnes in particular, um, you know, at some point soon, you're going to be planning for next year right exactly and i mean arizona as much of i'm sure that that loss in the championship still stings like what adia barnes has done with this program in such a short span of time right i think it's 2018 so like two full seasons ago basically because you can't really count last season as a as a full season they won six games and they won a wnit title then they you know would have made the tournament last year and then this year make yeah. the tournament and get to a national championship game what she and ari mcdonald had or Aaron McDonald have done for this program is just incredible. It is right. And so the challenge now for them, right. is going to be, you know, not unlike what happened with Washington with Kelsey Plum, right. Mm-hmm. Is how to kind of really sustain that program now in the long term. Um, Arizona's a cool place. So uh, I went to uh, high school in Phoenix. A lot of friends went to Arizona, cool campus, lot, lot to offer there. So, uh, and she definitely, you know, I think inspired a lot of people and a success like this got to help with recruiting. For sure, for sure. And speaking of Washington, they made a big hire today um, as well. I saw Very that. off topic, but um, they hired Rice's coach as their, their new head coach. So big hire there in the Pac-12 today. Yeah, but getting back to Coach Barnes, like uh, like the stuff she – the stories that have been going around that she's been telling that we've been learning about what it's like this season for her as a new mom. Like the thing about – did you catch the part about how she was like on Zoom calls four days after yeah, C-section? literally insane. Just like so impressive how she was able to do all of that after, you know, literally giving birth four days ago. And then just – I mean obviously like being a new mom, I can't speak from experience at all. But I can imagine it's so challenging and for her to – take on that challenge but also lead this team to a you know a national championship at the same time it's this or a national championship i mean i can speak to experience about being a new dad and i couldn't think straight uh <laughs> you know four days in and i just can't imagine uh doing it as a mom i just uh like i mean just watching you know the excitement uh, and the process uh with my wife uh and what she uh did to uh, give birth to uh, our children, it's just amazing. And so the idea that you could be able to, uh, you know, be back uh, leading your programs is uh, super impressive. 
I think the Joni Taylor, wasn't she like on the bench or something like the day after giving birth last year or something like that? Yeah, it was, was I don't know if it was, it was the day after, something. but it, it was something else insane like that. Or yeah, she like gave birth. I, I don't think she was coaching, right? I mean, it was sort of the way the story told it was you would have thought she was coaching. Canada. I don't think that was, but I think she was there, which I was just like, man, yeah. how does that <laughs> So, so impressive. Agreed. Yeah. You really can't say enough about how impressive everything she's done yeah. accomplished is. And I appreciated how Holly uh, was talking in the broadcast about normalizing. Uh, it was pumping, mm-hmm. right? At half. She was like pumping at half. Yeah. Night. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, right? To normalize that and just the fact that like, you know, women can have it all and, uh, you know, you can be a mom and you can accomplish all these things. And I think it's something that doesn't always get talked about that much, but I think it's it's really important to have that kind of representation in something like the final four on the biggest stage. Absolutely. And I was like legitimately trying to think about it. Like how many women have had like a better year in their life, like giving birth <laughs> and making like, like, like in any field, yeah, right? Like, true. I mean, are there like CEOs of startups that have gone public the same year they gave birth? Like, uh, you know, like somewhere, was, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know about going public, yeah. right? Um, you know, I don't think anyone's won a Nobel prize because usually you're older for that. Like, I mean, like I was just trying to think of, you know, in in your field i mean certainly people no doubt they graduate law school i think graduate med school um but uh you know all kinds of incredible accomplishments but like honestly right like that's sort of way up there in terms of combination of personal and professional success in a single year yeah exactly it's incredibly incredible year for her so awesome to see that and i think just the amount of like attention she's gotten throughout this this tournament too is it making it to the final four and you know people are very much if they weren't aware of arizona and harry mcdonald and india barnes at this point they definitely are now indeed indeed okay so let's talk briefly about um stanford south carolina um and the other final four game which was also incredible yeah another nail biter and i guess in the theme of considering continuing on you know starting from reverse chronological order that last play of that one, kind of very similar from Stanford in that they're up by, was it one, I think? Or they're, yeah, they're up by one point again. Yeah, it was 66-55 after Haley Jones made that jumper with 32 seconds of just checking the play-by-play. And that was the last point. So. Yeah, so yeah, so they're up by one. They turn over the ball on the, the inbounds play. South Carolina gets it. They get down to the other of the court. Bria Beal has a good look. It doesn't go in. And then Olia Boston gets the ball, puts it back at the buzzer. I thought that shot was going to fall. It doesn't fall. I mean, you saw the the anguish on Olia Boston's face immediately. Um, But it just, they almost had it there, but Stanford holds on. Yeah. No, it reminded, I will say the first thing that I thought of after that, kind of harkening back to my uh, NBA experience was Tim Duncan missed a shot in game seven of the finals against the Spurs. And, uh 2013 but then they came back to win it uh i mean for the spurs against the heat uh in game seven of the nba finals but then they came back to win it the next year right so um you know maybe that's a good sign for for south carolina you know definitely it was a look it was tough though right it wasn't like an obviously makeable shot um it was a quick follow but uh yeah it was a crazy crazy ending uh, for that and after you know right henderson had hit the three to put them up and you were just you know the tension was mounting and then jones answered with mm-hmm. that uh jumper off an offensive rebound too right so uh it was just kind of a incredibly tense uh you know especially last minute there uh for two great great teams i mean they were definitely uh in my book like two of the you know three three best teams in the, of the season probably mm-hmm. right they were the sort of top three seeds right south carolina i think was the third 
was um was it a three overall? They were four overall, but still. Oh, really? Yeah, NC State was that, that third overall team, but. Got it. I guess I was higher on Yeah, Carolina. I think we all are. So <laughs> it was yeah. just a, where the committee put them versus where everyone probably actually thought about these teams in respect to each other. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that seems like an eternity ago, really, since there's been so much amazing basketball uh, since then. But, uh, I mean, what a showcase. What a game. Um, you know, the only semi-unfortunate thing, right, that it was Friday relatively early. So, um, you know, I think more people could have watched in a non-pandemic year when the uh, timing would have been a little bit better. But um, just amazing, amazing basketball, um, you know, really all weekend. I, I I was there. You know, the very first Final Four I covered was the Enrique uh, 2018 <laughs> Final Four. Uh, and by the way, I will say, like, I, I think McDonald having trouble getting that shot off just – is a reminder how amazing it was that Rike was able to do what she was doing. Yeah, to do it twice too. Agreed. It's just Yeah, right. It just shows like how how hard that is to just even get a look, let alone, you know, make it, mm-hmm. right? Since McDonald didn't get it in that last shot. But um but yeah, so but but it was a great final four. I never ceased to be amazed, right? We didn't really have a blowout. Like you know, the men's game, the early one I think, right? right? It was uh was uh over by halftime or whatever. So uh you know, I was just, you know, I felt fortunate, right? I would have been felt more fortunate had we uh, been there in person. But uh, as I was saying, next year in Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody that was celebrating Passover during the uh, Final Four. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to see everybody in person. Yeah, I hope so, too. One last thing I wanted to bring up about that South Carolina game, too, is I thought Zia Cook had a fantastic game. And I think... To me, I thought that stood out as probably her best game of the season. I think sometimes we've seen Cook, you know, take some some not great shots or not not really understand as much as she maybe should, like, when to pass versus when to shoot it. And I thought that was one of her better games in terms of that. So I think that's a a huge step for South Carolina looking forward to next year, too. Yeah, yeah. And they've got – we were talking about it, right? So they're looking ahead – uh, UConn has the number one, the number five recruited, mm-hmm. right? According to ESPN, Hoop, Hoop Girls, ESPN, I forget whether you call it the Hoop, Hoop Girls list or the ESPN Hoop Girls list. But, um, you know, and then uh, South Carolina is two, three, and four. Yeah. So uh, reloading. Yes, for sure. Yeah, two teams that are probably only going to – don't really lose anything and are probably really only going to look better next season. So. As hard as that is to believe. <laughs> It is. It is hard to wrap your head around how good they already are, and then what they'll add. So definitely a plenty to look forward to next year. And hopefully these teams will be able to practice more in the off season, and it won't be so rushed. And you know, just the quality of uh, NCAA basketball will be even higher yes. uh, as a result of that as well. Kind of a normal season with a real preseason. We'll get more non-conference games. Yes, uh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely. It's really remarkable when you think about the young talent. I don't know if I'm just biased since I wasn't paying quite as much attention to women's basketball, um, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, but it's incredible um, how many talented young players there are. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, in general this year, like the freshman class has just been absolutely insane. I think there's a lot of players and, you know, even this you know final four that you could point to that had big impacts over freshmen or sophomores and Aliyah Boston. So, the sophomores too, yeah. right? And everyone's super excited about the next year's freshman class. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. Yeah, so lots of great young talent. So it's, it's really exciting to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, a great, great season of college basketball. Again, it felt a little funny along the way, but an amazing March and uh, early April. 
Yeah, exactly. And I feel like we're just so lucky that we, you know, we got to this point and we got to have tournaments. So, and then we got to have a tournament and it was that great of a tournament. So we're a little spoiled, I think. <laughs> we are, right? So, and then as we said, right, WNBA draft, seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN on Thursday, the 15th. And then the, you know, WNBA season's right around the corner. So, rest up a little bit i think you and i are both gonna try and rest up a little bit uh, this week after <laughs> watching basketball so intently uh in march and then uh away we'll go yeah for sure all right well thanks for joining me aaron my pleasure well that's all for today's episode thank you for listening make sure you rate like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us also make sure you check out the site at herhoopstats.com lots of great WNBA stats there all of our WNBA salary information and plenty to come as well for the upcoming WNBA season you can also subscribe to the new our free Substack newsletter and follow us on social media at Her Hoop Stats on all platforms for all of our content to come for the WNBA. Thanks again for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.